Thank you for joining us for another Essence of Adolescence podcast episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Essence of Adolescence podcast. I'm your host, Samara Doolin, and we're back with another episode. Wow, I've actually never recorded this much content since the creation of this podcast. I'm in college, new space, new atmosphere, new sense of confidence with this podcast. Um, I find myself obligated to, you know, advertise for it a little bit more. Um, So thank you for everyone who's reaching out and who's listening. Streams are just going up. Um, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Um, And again, feel free to reach out if you're interested in joining and being a part of this podcast. I'm open to all ideas. Um, Today's episode is going to be a little bit about acceptance, finding solace, finding peace. Um, I'm talking with someone, a guest who has an amazing story and a very long journey that as a Michelle Obama once said, it's never ending. We're always still becoming. And so this guest touches on that. I do want to say before we get started that I want to insert a little um, trigger warning. Um, we do get a little vulnerable and go into topics that could be a little triggering. So at any point in time in the podcast, please, please pause if you need a break. Turn it off. Don't listen to the rest if you even feel like you can't. Um, I want everyone listening to feel comfortable and safe. I love talking about these topics because they're not only validating, but we're also trying to help other adolescents that are going through this. But without further ado, let's get started. All right, so I am on the phone with Brooke Pittman, and let's just get started. So first of all, thank you so much for agreeing to do this call. Um, so I know this is kind of a funny question, but just to give the audience a sense, if you were a character from, say, the, the TV show Euphoria, who would you be? So I think that question's kind of loaded, one, because I've never seen the show, <laughs> but two, because I have been compared to a lot of people from Euphoria, and I'll have people text me and be like, oh my gosh, you're giving me such Maddie vibes, because... I was a cheerleader and all that kind of stuff and like a lot of people knew me mm-hmm. but then people were like you remind me of Cassie because I feel like you get judged so harsh and you don't need that and you don't want that I'm like yeah mm-hmm. I can also agree with that but then when I kind of looked into it I felt like I was more like Rue because a lot of people don't know about like the mental hardships I've been through mm-hmm. and the stuff that just the experiences I've had with my mom mm-hmm. and all of the drug abuse and everything that I've seen in my own life. Yeah. I think in that aspect, I relate more to Rue. So how would you describe your high school experience? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, in one word, traumatic. I would say freshman year, I had a group with three other girls. We were super close, super tight-knit. And then sophomore year, everything kind of disbanded. And a lot of people don't know this, but I would literally eat in the locker room and you hear so many stories about that but I would buy one of those uncrustable little pouches they would sell in the cafeteria and go to the locker room because I had gym right after lunch mm. so I would kind of just hide out and do my own thing until I was able to leave junior year but then that's when COVID and everything hit and my mental health kind of went downhill and a lot of people also don't know junior year was when I first attempted suicide and when I got out of the hospital was when COVID hit. So I didn't go back to school or anything after that. So 
my high school experience kind of got flipped upside down in that instance where my life was completely normal and then it completely wasn't. So where do you think all of that stress that you dealt with, where do you think that stemmed from? There's a lot of different things. Definitely my home life was a part of it. I always felt like, and I hate to say this, but having a sister in the same grade or even relatively close to your age is tough, but I always felt like I was being compared. Maybe it was in my own head or by things my parents would say or, oh, your sister's doing this or, oh, you guys are in the same class, but she has a better grade. Maybe you can ask her for help. Like I felt really belittled a lot, but I also helped a lot with my siblings. Mm -hmm. So all the stress at home from trying to be a good role model, but also being belittled at the same time was kind of tough. Yeah. And then having my stepmom in my house, but her not being a real mother figure for me personally was really tough, especially not having my biological mom in my life. Were there any particular ways that you decided to deal with that stress, whether it was ne- like whether it was necessarily healthy or not? How did you deal with it? There's a lot of ways. Um, overworking myself, I literally would do any odds and ends job. Um, I even like did home remodeling and tore up floors and stuff just to keep my mind occupied. Mm-hmm. And I dedicated a lot of my time to the community, so working with kids and tutoring, babysitting, working at the pool, just keeping my mind busy. And then once I got my car, I live out of my car. I'm always in my car and everyone's like, why are you in your car? It's just a safe place for me. No one will bother me here. Mm-hmm. So spending, everyone knows I'm always in my car. Mm-hmm. So just kind Everybody of, knows that. Which, so just being alone. Yeah, so kind of just disassociating yourself with everything. Basically. And the things I used to love, like wrestling, was my thing. In junior years when that all changed too. So, I mean, I would say, like, I've known you for a very long time, but I, I don't think anyone would have to actually say that they have to know you personally to know you because you were always in some sort of spotlight. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how was that? Like, how did that, how did that impact you? How did it feel? Well, even starting in elementary school, it was, I have your dad as a teacher, or I had your dad as a teacher, or I'm going to have your dad as a teacher. And that's super cool. Everyone who had my dad loved him, and I love my dad. He's an awesome guy. But then it got kind of hard because he would tell embarrassing stories. Mm -hmm. And then when they would get brought up in, like, middle school, I'd get super embarrassed. And then I had to keep up a reputation because the teachers know my dad. Mm -hmm. Anything I did wrong would go back to the Pittman name, and that scared the crap out of me because him and my grandfather worked so hard to build that up. So the pressure of the Pittman name, in my opinion, was extremely tough. But then the pressure of making friends and keeping them because of my dad. And I even had friends last year who used me to get closer to my dad, who then got promoted at work Mm. and barely speak to me anymore. So you kind of felt like there was an expectation you had to consistently meet with 100 percent do you think you had an expectation or like nope Nope. the second I went to Scarlet Oaks I was labeled like a freak and someone I think that's another 
thing I hated is anyone who went to Scarlet was labeled a freak or like they couldn't do anything or they couldn't keep up with Wyoming. Mm. But I graduated with my physical therapy aid license. So that was tough. But I really think leaving Wyoming hurt my dad. And I don't think he wants to admit that because he wanted that picture perfect cowboy. Mm. And I started to ruin that for my family. My brother played baseball. My brother was a wrestler. He was very athletically inclined and I just I was a cheerleader and I ended up quitting cheer because I was told I wasn't pretty enough to be in pageants by my own coach Mm. so everything that he had known of me as a child and being a cheerleader and staying up to date in school and being super involved just kind of fell through when I left and I don't think he was happy with that especially once I started getting tattoos recently no one in my family really has tattoos. My brother has one in honor of my grandpa. Mm-hmm. I now have four, five in honor of Lil Peep. So, like... <laughs> well, they're addicting. You know, they're addicting. I have, like, two already. I have nine total. Oh, but shit. <laughs> five of my nine are for Lil Peep. I mean... <laughs> So when you graduated high school, when you no no when you graduated from Scarlet Oaks, like what did that symbolize from you? And especially just like leaving Wyoming, what did that symbolize for, for you? Because obviously it was an atmosphere that just was not right for you. It didn't suit you. What did that mean? So it kind of sucked because at Scarlet I had Mr. Osborne, and he was my go-to guy. He was the most amazing teacher I've ever had because he cared about you as a person before he cared about you as a student which was amazing and you don't really get that at Wyoming I could name maybe one or two teachers at Wyoming who I could say do that and one of them being Miss Dix isn't even there anymore mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah. and I just it sucked to leave it sucked to graduate from Scarlet not that I had friends at Scarlet but it sucked to leave Mr. Osborne because I knew he was someone who was always there for me and he still is to the day, this day mm-hmm. which I'm super grateful for But I also had plans of going to the military. So graduating, I thought I was getting ready to up and leave and go to boot camp. I had no idea what was coming for me. I had no idea I would be where I am today. Mm -hmm. I thought I would be in boot camp or in A school or maybe at this point in C school. Mm -hmm. Which is absolutely insane to think that I could be there right now. I know it wouldn't have been a good place for me. So... What ended up leading you to the modeling career that you're in right now? So this is actually a really funny story. Um, I met this girl named Kate in high school because we had dated the same guy. And there was a little bit of drama. <laughs> but her and I ended up getting a new friend out of it. And we still talk to this day. And one day, she had gotten sick and couldn't go to a photo shoot she had paid for but it was right down the street at a studio called Locust and Vine. It was one of, with one of her friends from college. Mm-hmm. She was like, hey, um, this is right down the street for you. Would you be interested in doing this? I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Like, thanks. And I did that shoot with a photographer named Lauren Stacy. And from that point on, I knew I loved being behind, not behind, in front of the camera. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just wanted to create in some way. But I knew if I spoke, people wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Would you Just say because like, oh, people don't like me. No, you're fine. So would you, like, it sounds like just from what you're saying, like, for the first time, I felt like you had control, you know, and you could control, like, a narrative or 
how people viewed you like it was your turn to like hold the microphone in a sense exactly and I think that also opened a lot of doors for people to judge me even harsher than they had been before (laughs) why do you think it's so important like for young people for adolescents to to have like this sense of acceptance you know or just this sense of um, I want you to view me this way, you know? Why do you think we that we feel that obligation? Because we think that everybody else has it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. If you were to look at, even like what's going on in the media now, if you were to look a few years ago at Jeanette McCurdy on mm-hmm. iCarly, you would have been like, wow, that is so cool. I wish I had the level of fame she had. I wish I was a child star. Mm-hmm. But then with everything that's even coming out with her, Oh yeah, the so much of it was fake. So much of it was negative. She mm-hmm. had such an awful experience. Mm-hmm. We just look at everyone thinking that they do have these perfect lives, and not knowing the stories behind them, which mm-hmm. I think is extremely tough with the day and age we live in, and with social media now, because everyone only puts out the highlights of their lives, which mm-hmm. makes people feel like their low points of life can't compare. So do you think we should start showing those low points a little more? Personally, I do. Um, I actually did a shoot. I did no makeup, and I wrote actual comments from people all over my body. And it was really tough to have to go through comments and find hate comments that I've had to filter out of my pictures and stuff like that. Um, Just by looking at a picture of me, someone will say that I'm washed up. Just by looking at a picture of me, someone will assume I have an eating disorder or someone will say I'm overweight. Mm. Just by looking at a picture of me, people think they know everything. And I think that's tough, which is why I wanted to do that shoot. But then it ended up backfiring in my face. How so? Um, I got a lot more awful things um, once people realized that I did pay attention to it. Um, after that shoot, I actually woke up to numerous, like, whole hate pages being made for me that eventually got taken down, um, because I reported them and such, but it was just, it was just like, wow, you can hate someone so much just from seeing them post a picture, just from watching goofy TikToks that they make in their room. I'm not big on TikTok. Like, I was, mm-hmm. at one point, I had almost 70,000 followers on TikTok at one point, mm-hmm. And people weren't even harassing me when I had that many. But it's because I was small, pretending, not even pretending, but posting as if I was big to get big. Mm. It made people lose their minds. Why do you think people feel obligated to, like, consistently, you know, just, like, hate people? I guess, like, I mean, you you are always someone that I looked at as someone who just was out there, put themselves out there unfiltered and I admired that but then there are a group of people that you know hated on you for that why do you think that is if I had a straight answer I would love to tell you but I think at the same time because I spoke my mind and because one thing I think really hurt me in high school was when election time and politics and everything would roll around And because I wasn't open about politics, like some people were at Wyoming, 
a lot mm-hmm. of people weren't openly Republican, but a lot of people were openly Democrat. Yeah, I noticed that. And if you weren't openly Democrat, you were a Trumpy. And I got labeled a Trumpy in high school, which made a lot of people hate me. And even going into high school, there were rumors about me. I didn't even hear until after I graduated. But apparently, I went into high school, and I was like a mega horse. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, you can cuss. <laughs> okay. I was like a mega whore. I had like 10 bodies as a freshman and all this stuff. And even that blew my mind because this is about to get super vulnerable and I'm open to talking about it, but I was raped to lose my virginity as a sophomore. So hearing I had 10 bodies as a freshman blew my mind. Mm. Absolutely blew my mind. And I don't know why people felt the need. I don't know if it was because I was doing something other people weren't, especially when I entered into pageants. I got a lot of comments like, oh, she was a mean girl, so this is perfect for her. Mm. Or even someone who I thought was my biggest supporter told me I wasn't pretty enough to do it. I was pretty enough to be a cheerleader, but not pretty enough to be a pageant girl. So I quit cheer. I quit cheer that second. And that was from your own coach? From my own coach. And it was tough because... I had grown a really good relationship with her, Mm -hmm. and the year before, she had told me that if I didn't do competition, nobody would do competition and put a lot of pressure on my shoulders, and a lot of people knew about it, but still didn't care because if I did it, it benefited them too. I mean, everything that you just told me, I mean, it's just like, I, I personally, like, don't know how I would deal with that like it was so overwhelming how did you how did you cope with all that how would you tell someone going through that to cope with that um so those are two kind of different questions how did I cope with it personally I tried to leave earth um I attempted suicide in March of 2020 and was almost successful and it was really really tough I ended up in a mental hospital Mm. and after that experience my life has not been the same and I've not been the same person Mm -hmm. but that is exactly why I would tell somebody going through it to keep going Mm. I would not wish my experience on anybody in a psych ward whether it's a child psych ward or an adult psych ward because last September Mm. it's almost been a year now I attempted once again and ended up in a psych ward mm. I would not recommend would not recommend guys Keep mm-hmm. just keep fighting yeah. that is my best advice keep fighting I would not want anybody to ever have to experience that sort of situation and if you need someone or want to hear more about the story or more details about it please reach out I'm so open I'm an open book I've been through it and I made it through mm-hmm. it Yeah, and I know everyone else can too so since then, um, and you, I've noticed a little bit after that, there was a period when um, you were very religious and, you know, posting a lot of biblical content. And I noticed that and I found it really inspiring. And I loved how open you were about it because religion being very religious is kind of taboo now. Like you don't see it very often. We're going into more of a, you know, just non-religious. Our whole generation is kind of atheist if <laughs> So how did how did you kind of grow into that? What, what was that journey like? Um, so that's an interesting journey. I went to church a lot as a kid and then kind of got bored, so stopped. And then I discovered Young Life in high school, 
which sounds so cliche, but I really did enjoy Young Life for a few years until just bad stuff kept happening Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And I didn't understand why. Can you, like, explain some of those bad things? I just completely lost faith. I was like, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. I have been so faithful. I have been preaching the word to anyone that will listen to me. And all of this bad stuff keeps happening to me. And that was right before my attempt. Mm -hmm. And then I attempted. And when I made it through, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta thank him. And that's when I started posting a lot more. It was just a quarantine from 2020. And then I lost my faith again. I was just like, life keeps hitting me and it keeps hitting me. And I haven't found a point to believe in it again. I haven't found a reason to believe in a higher power mm. anymore. Because I did notice there was a, like, um, a wave of content from you about that and then it just stopped. And I don't think I thought much of it, but was that kind of the point when you kind of lost that faith again? Yeah, I just... I was like, why am I still doing this? I don't even believe what I'm saying at this point. So why am I trying to make other people believe something I don't? Mm. If it's practice what you preach, then I'm going to stop preaching it. Would you say you found it again recently or at all? Uh, (laughs) Probably not. I have been educating myself a lot more on the world. And I would say it made me lose more faith the more I educate myself and the more I see things happening I keep seeing kids die at school I keep seeing kids die on the daily basis I keep seeing cops shooting people in Columbus three times within eight days why yeah kind of going back to that whole you'd rather disassociate kind of ignorance is bliss complex um and I'm big on staying educated. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's also a misconception. Wow, that was a bad stutter. A misconception <laughs> is people think I'm uneducated because I don't talk about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'd rather not. I'd rather not open up a place for a fight to begin over something it doesn't need to be a fight over. I would rather let people think I'm uneducated at that point. I would rather let people think I'm stupid until they decide to have an intellectual conversation with me. Mm -hmm. Kind of just going back to that whole, like, why even fight it, you know, if they're all, like, they're just constantly going to hate on it, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to have an opinion on me, on you, on the world, and whether I say I'm a good person there's not good or bad people in the world, in my opinion. There are people who do good things, and there are people who do bad things. Mm-hmm. But people are just people. Mm-hmm. A good person can do a bad thing on a bad day. Yeah. So why can't we just all be people? Our actions don't define us. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Just because I do one lingerie photo shoot doesn't mean I'm now a porn star. That was something that got so old so fast. Mm-hmm. People didn't understand that boudoir was a style Mm. of photography and a style to model for. Why do you think you were so criticized for those kind of shoots? Like, I just remember 
Like, I wasn't, I even graduated at that point, but I was still hearing fucking gossip about it. Like, people were pressed. One, I was ugly in high school and got hot after. Um, <laughs> so, I'm not afraid to say that. But two, I think it just caught so many people off guard. Mm. Um, without saying this person's name, I'm going to try and give you a hint at who it is. And if someone went to Wyoming, they might be able to figure it out but it was my best friend from cheer absolute best friend from cheer graduated together inseparable was actually one of the only people to speak to me mm-hmm. at wyoming's graduation her mother decided to screenshot my pictures from instagram and email them to my pageant and try and get me kicked out of my pageant mm. because i posted those pictures and my pageant director emailed me and was like hey by the way this person is DMing us. This person's emailing us. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. And yeah. even my pageant director was like, we have angry ex-boyfriends and people try and do this all the time. So we're not going to feed into yeah, it. Like, what the fuck? like they didn't really care. I was in the miss category. I am now an adult in pageantry. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have started to clean up my brand just because I do want to go deeper into this and I'm now competing at the national level but at the same time if I want to post in a bodysuit that's lacy why can someone else post in a thong bikini and that's okay what's what's the difference because it's lacy Mm -hmm. because I'm in a bed and not on a towel on the beach Mm. what's the difference so if if you don't mind me asking, like, would you say among like that, like your your story, your path, where you came from, where you are now, have you found some sort of acceptance, um, some sort of like solace? I think that it comes and goes in waves. Um, once I start to accept myself, I kind of get bored, <laughs> which is kind of a problem. I, which is why I change my hair all the time. Mm. Um. My hair was blonde for a while and then dyed it brown for a week in high school or a few months in high school. Went back blonde, dyed it black for three days, back blonde because I didn't like like black. black. I like the black. I'm thinking about going back because then I went brunette for so long, everyone got used to it. And then I met people who only knew me as a brunette, which blew my mind (laughs) because I knew me the most of my life as a blonde. Mm -hmm. So then I got used to the brunette. But then I got bored of the brunette. I was like, I'm tired of this look. I don't like looking like this anymore. Boom, I'm back blonde. Mm. But now that I'm blonde again, I'm like, okay, I'm back to this Barbie girl vibe that everyone else wanted me to be. Mm. But what do I want to do? I'd rather have a long, dark black hair and be able to just vibe. Was each hair color a persona? A hundred percent. I think when I'm blonde, I feel a lot more societal pressure. Mm. Just because blondes are expected to be stupid. They're expected to be super pretty. They're expected to have these nice clothes and, like, really good outfits. Like, if you look up hashtag blonde on Instagram, that's exactly what you would see. A super pretty, Mm -hmm. long-haired blonde girl, perfectly polished outfits, probably has her nails done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But if you think of, like, a girl with black hair, in my opinion, for me, it just, it would fit me and my Mm -hmm. personality and who I am 100% better than a bubblegum blonde barbie i just it's not my vibe it looks good on some people it fits some people it works for other people but for me personally i don't think it fits my personality or my vibe or who i am anymore 
Yeah. It just fits what people are used to. So just kind of breaking that mold of, like, fuck what everybody yeah. else is expecting me to be. Let me be who I want to be. And that's the tough thing, because when I went blonde, I lost a ton of photographers. A ton of people didn't want to work with me anymore because I wasn't half up, half down girl. Mm -hmm. I wore my hair half up, half down in almost all of my photo shoots because everyone wanted half up, half down girl. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure people are like, does she ever change her hair? God, I wish I could have. How has um, modeling, because I know that industry is very, um, I mean, obviously it's all based on appearance. Has that impacted you mentally at all? Because you constantly kind of have to think about your appearance, and I know that can be damaging. Um, yeah, not only am I constantly thinking about it, it's not just, oh, photo shoot, get pretty, take some pictures. Mm -hmm. It's around the clock. You're answering emails, you're answering DMs, you're connecting, you're networking, mm -hmm. you're joining Facebook groups, you're on Model Mayhem, you're posting, you're getting published, you're promoting you're doing brand deals it's a hundred things more than what people think it is it's not just behind or like shooting mm -hmm. it's not just showing up for a photo shoot how do you think you get to that photo shoot and a lot of models have things like agents but i do everything freelance oh, wow. i don't want anybody to have a percentage of me so every single photo shoot you've ever seen me do i booked for myself oh, wow. everything i've done I've booked for myself. And for the first two months, I wasn't even doing paid shoots. I was just asking for people to do TFP shoots with me, which are time for photos. And it took a lot because I was putting money into going to shoots. I was putting money into outfits. I was putting money into a lot of different things and not getting anything in return yet. But that's the price I had to pay in order to get the knowledge that I have now. Do you think modeling and and just this industry like does it feel like yes i finally found it like this is what i'm good at this is what i like to do like it feels good do you feel that when you're doing it now um i did back in like may and then i took a break for the summer just to like recover i was doing a lot of things preparing for miss ohio usa it took a lot of energy mm -hmm. and just a lot for me mentally and i still love pageantry i loved competing but now getting back into it I've gained a little weight from where I was then. I'm a little bit bigger. I don't look as good as photographers remember me looking in certain poses. Like, yeah. it's just tough because I have changed so much and my some of my photographers haven't. And they're still stuck in this, you have to be a double zero, tiny petite. Right long legs no short girls so that's why you see me in heels a lot mm -hmm. yeah and that's when i started thinking like that impact on on girls and guys i guess mentally can be can be just tough because you have to constantly keep a certain appearance and you get can get unhealthy and um, there's not yeah. like so with me being freelance i'm not sure how agency modeling works just because i haven't done it i almost did but then they asked me to get down to 95 pounds and when I was unable to do so it just it was really bad and I my best friend my guy best friend's mom at the time was like Brooke get a grip dude like look look at yourself listen to what they're asking you you can't do this to yourself 95 pounds it's like 
That's like five two and ninety five pounds. <laughs> that's completely. That doesn't even sound like healthy. Like I wasn't eating. I it really got bad. It brought back my eating disorder, which I had just recovered from. It was it was tough. Very very tough. So, where are you now? If you could just pinpoint, like on this timeline, where would you say you are? Um, now? Figuring it out would be the easiest way. I want to create. I want to make a difference. Right now, I'm working on a lot for my pageant journey. Um, I am starting a platform called Those Who Matter to speak about victims of school shootings and to keep them alive as people and not just victims. So I'm currently connecting with like a lot of different families, like the families from the Oxford shootings, currently in touch with Justin's mom, and we're working on a piece to put out about Justin. Um, And I have just, after learning a lot more about gun violence and how it affects all communities and literally everybody, mm-hmm. I want to make a difference in some way yeah. in the fight for gun reforms. So currently, that's my ultimate goal, and that's what I'm working towards most. Um, I am trying to get in touch with the superintendent at Wyoming right now to get Rachel's story, which is a victim from Columbine. She was the first one to die, but she... She was just all about kindness and being good and being a good person, but she knew she was going to die young and she had written it in her journal. And she said that her hands would touch millions of lives Mm. and had traced her poems. And there's a really cool project that goes with Rachel's story that I want to try and get implemented into Wyoming high school. Mm -hmm. And if possible, the middle schools and elementary schools too. And if it works for us here, I would want to branch out to other schools because I'm not just miss wyoming anymore for a different system than the usa system i now hold the title of miss ohio so i have a job congratulations thank you i have a job to not only impact our tiny community of wyoming but now the entire state of ohio yeah use that platform right like that's my goal mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so i love it looks like you you kind of just look for that just like sense of solace, acceptance, and just peace in different places. It doesn't have to be in one place. Like things change. You said it kind of comes and goes in waves. I love that. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. Like I have my good days where I'm like, wow, I'm the hottest person to ever walk this planet. Mm-hmm. But then there's other days I walk, I will wake up and be like, wow, why did I wake up today? Why am I here? Oh, yeah. How did I end up here? I feel that. If you could. If you could tell your younger self something, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, you were going to be nowhere where you think you're going to be. Mm. I thought I would be... My younger self, my eighth grade self, had planned to leave and go to college. I originally wanted to go to the University of Alabama and be a sorority girl mm-hmm. um, and study physical therapy. That was my goal as a kid. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so I tell myself, you're nowhere where you're going to think you're going to be. You're going to be happier than you thought you would be. Mm. I love that. I um, know college would not have been good for me personally. Yeah. 
And that's something that I'm planning on talking about later. Like, I think this orthodox path of going to college, like that traditional path, it's like, it's a stigma almost. I, and I hate it. So, like, props yeah. to anyone who, like, is strong enough to fight that and be like, no, fuck that, that's not for me. Because so many kids go to college under pressure and then end up flunking out. The amount of people I know that have done that, it's insane. So, like, if you can just advocate for yourself and be like, no, it's not for me, it's props, you know? Especially in Wyoming. Yes. They just push us to go to college. They pushed us to memorize things for tests. But I had to fill out an I-9 form the other day, and I didn't know what some of it meant, which is embarrassing. No, they don't teach us that. That's embarrassing. Why don't we have classes to prepare us to be adults i think that's something that should be required at mm. all schools senior year is how to live in the post high school <laughs> like when you go to college everyone's eating ramen and takis and fruit snacks for breakfast lunch and dinner pretty much yeah and it's insane it's absolutely insane and people are living paycheck to paycheck not being able to eat because they have to pay rent or whatever it might be it's in college life is a different is a brave new world I'd say yeah all right well thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story being brave enough to be so vulnerable with me um no problem thank you for having me on oh yeah thanks for reaching out of course all right thank you for listening to another essence of adolescence podcast episode